Hello, everybody. Alan Thick here. You know, it takes money to run a country. Your money. And that's why if you owe back taxes, the IRS might garnish your wages. They could levy your bank account, come after your home or business. But truth is, they'd rather settle for less than bother you more. So they have this brilliant program to help if you're behind on your taxes. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative. They're offering this to help you solve your tax problem once and for all. You could qualify for a settlement that's substantially less than before these changes. Nobody knows these tax relief programs better than the experts at Optima Tax Relief. Their attorneys and agents will work to get you the best possible tax settlement. And they're fully accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Don't wait till it's too late. Call Optima for your free consultation. Call 800-711-5743. That's 800-711-5743. 800-711-5743. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Securities and advisory services offered through National Planning Corporation, a member of FINRA, CIPIC, a registered investment advisor, Oakwood Financial Network, LLC, NPC, and other named entities are separate and unrelated companies. Information provided is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that have been deemed to be reliable, but its accuracy and completeness are not guaranteed. Neither NPC nor Oakwood Financial Network, LLC accept any liability for the use of the information discussed. Consult a qualified financial, legal, tax, or real estate professional prior to taking any action. Paul Wakefield is not an NPC representative. This is Money Wise. Your host is Roman Baczynski, certified financial planner and president of Oakwood Financial Network. Securities and advisory services offered through National Planning Corporation. Member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Oakwood Financial LLC, NPC, and any other named entities are separate and unrelated companies. Information provided is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that have been deemed to be reliable, but its accuracy and completeness are not guaranteed. Indices are unmanaged and do not allow for direct investment. Past performances cannot guarantee future results. Neither NPC nor Oakwood Financial Network LLC accept any liability for the use of the information discussed. Consult with a qualified financial, legal, tax, or real estate professional prior to taking any action. Stay tuned for an enlightening hour about managing your financial future. Now, here's Roman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Money Wise. I'm your host, Roman Baczynski, certified financial planner and president of Oakwood Financial Network based here in Troy, Michigan. For nearly 25 years now, I've helped thousands of individuals plan and organize their finances, utilizing tax advantage strategies that help grow, preserve, and transfer your wealth. Our approach to delivering comprehensive financial services always starts and ends with you, our clients. We begin this process by listening to you and discussing your lifestyle, goals, wishes, dreams, and family situations. Through a consultative process, we then learn the details of your financial picture so we can construct and deliver a customized plan along with your personal financial action checklist. Our experienced team of individuals fully evaluate your situation to prepare personal solutions that integrate investment planning, tax reduction planning, retirement and income distribution planning, and family wealth planning. As your host of MoneyWise, I've been enjoying the privilege of helping our listeners get better prepared for your retirement years by fielding your questions either right here on the air, through your emails, or perhaps most productively through a one-hour free consultation at my office. If you'd like to review your current approach and receive a written analysis with possible recommendations on how to improve your strategy, don't hesitate to give me a call at 248-312-7217. 
Once again, that's 248-312-7217. Or send me an email with your questions at oakwoodfn at natplan.com. That's oakwoodfn at natplan.com. Folks, we're well into May, approaching mid-year, and I may have mentioned to you this before on the air, but we will be taking a break from the radio show this summer, June, July, and August. My schedule's pretty busy. Uh, I've enjoyed being here with you each and every Sunday last year, this year, and unfortunately, time doesn't allow us to be here every Sunday during the summer. So we're going to take June, July, and August off the air and return after Labor Day. This is your opportunity to call in, get your questions answered, or more importantly, come on in and see me personally, and let's get your plan underway. I'm anxious to work with you, help you properly prepare, address all the issues and concerns that you may have regarding your retirement, sending your kids through college, estate planning. I can't emphasize enough the issue of estate planning, and that's something we're going to talk heavily about on this show this evening, as well as any other financial matters. What are you waiting for? I'm here to help. Take advantage of the opportunity. Come on in and visit with me for a free one-hour complimentary evaluation of your current approach. And let's see if everything is truly on track. Now, it should be as no, no surprise to any of you that retirement is one of the most talked about and planned aspects of life today. Virtually every major news outlet, financial planner, and employer has a section on their website devoted to specifically retirement. Despite all those tools that you have available to you, conversations and resources, a successful transition from the 9 to 5 workday to retirement bliss still remains elusive and constitutes grounds for making major mistakes, particularly for new retirees. Tough life lessons aren't just for work, marriage, and children. Many people think they're prepared for retirement, and then they learn the hard way that life after work comes with its own set of challenges. You know, one of the surprises awaiting new retirees is that perhaps Medicare doesn't cover many costs associated with losing a key sense, such as your hearing. Dental costs can be brutal. Crowns, root canals, implants cost a pretty penny and represent one-third of the financial burden retirees face after the paychecks and company insurance stops. Costs for hearing aids can quickly reach thousands of dollars, with many tests not covered by insurance. This translates into unexpected expenses that may not be part of a new retiree's budget plan. Vision exams and treatments, hearing aids, and dental costs can quickly replace your travel plans. My goal has always been to help you be better prepared for your retirement. So take this opportunity, give me a call, and let's review your plan. Remember, retirement is not the finish line. It's the beginning of what should be a very enjoyable time in your life, if you're properly prepared. And it's important that you take a look and fund through retirement, not just to retirement. One of the major areas that I consistently see deficiencies in is estate planning. We tend to think estate planning is something that somebody's doing their final planning preparations, end-of-life planning. And believe it or not, folks, estate planning is something that needs to be addressed for all ages. And I'm fortunate enough to have my dear friend Paul Wakefield here in the studio with me, and we're going to pick up and talk about some topics that we talked about 
the prior week or a few weeks ago because time never allows us to talk about each and every topic that we want to cover. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you once again to my dear friend Paul Wakefield, estate planning attorney from Wakefield, Sutherland, and Libera. And thanks again, Paul, for taking some time on this beautiful Sunday and, and spending it with us to share your thoughts, concerns, and address some of these questions regarding estate planning. So welcome, Paul. Thank you, Roman. Thanks for having me back. Last time you were in the studios with us, we barely, barely scratched the surface on some of these items. We, in general, talked a little bit about wills and probate and how those documents may help somebody. We moved on to talk a little bit about revocable living trusts. Um, we never had the opportunity to get into irrevocable or irrevocable trusts. POAs, credit protection. We touched a little bit on divorce, but there's so many topics that I'd like to go into and talk about. So let's start, start with maybe this topic of POAs and if they expire or not. So, so explain what POAs are, if you could, and then let's, let's take it into more depth, please. Well, a POA stands for a power of attorney. And in Michigan, we have generally two types of powers of attorney. We have medical powers of attorney, and we have financial powers of attorney. So usually when we talk about POAs, most people are referring to the financial power of attorney. Now, when we have financial powers of attorney, they're often called general or limited powers of attorney. A general power of attorney, you might think of as a document that allows you to do generally, generally whatever you want, whether it's signing a check or closing an account or buying or selling real estate and so forth, versus a limited power of attorney which is a document that limits your actions to one particular transaction, such as buying one particular house or selling one house. Or maybe a limited power of attorney would be designed to only allow someone to fund your revocable living trust if you're incapacitated. And then we also have a, a further subset of powers of attorney, um, of course, financial powers of attorney we're talking about, that you might call a springing power or an immediate power. Now, of course, an immediate power allows you to act as someone's power of attorney immediately. You don't have to have a disability or, or you know, permission to, to to trigger the document. In the other, on the other hand, when we have a, what's called a springing power of attorney, you might think of that as something that springs into effect upon disability. So you usually need two doctors to sign off to get that document to function. And Paul, <clears throat> pardon my ignorance, but I'd like to ask the question for the audience, but when is one chosen over the other? When you're preparing these documents, when does one uh, choose a springing power over an, uh, an outright immediate uh, authority to act on one's behalf? Well, that depends on the, the type of individuals you're dealing with, and this is exactly one of the reasons why you don't want to use do-it-yourself documents that you purchase from the local uh, supply store. There's so the, the estate planning in the box idea is probably not the best way to go? It probably is not, as you <laughs> as you know, Roman. And uh, one of the reasons is because, you know, the documents are, of course, very important, and you want them properly drafted, and you want them to be comprehensive and well thought out. But there's a lot of issues that, that the attorney has to think about when they're drafting these documents. There's tax issues to consider, there's non-tax issues to consider, and then there's a lot of different options within each document. And everyone's different based on whether you're single or, or married or if you're in your first marriage or a second marriage and you've, or if you have young or old kids. So 
to generally answer your question, you know, for, for me being in a first marriage with a, a spouse that I, I trust, I would rather have an immediate power of attorney because it's an effect right away. And I've actually used my wife's power of attorney on one occasion to um, to purchase a, a cottage. And my wife has used mine on a couple occasions to once to sell a house where I was busy and on another occasion to buy a car where I couldn't sign the paperwork. So I use mine also for convenience. Now it's really there to cover if, if either one of us are incapacitated. That's what we're really worried about. But it's nice to use for convenience factors. Now on the other hand, if I was in my seventh marriage and it wasn't looking so good in the seventh marriage, I might want to consider using a springing power of attorney because I don't well, know. Paul, Paul, you also may want to consider not having an eighth marriage, I, I would say, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, that would probably be pretty sound advice. I would have to agree with you on that one. So so the springing powers are usually where you're picking someone that you, you kind of trust, but you know you just don't want them to have the ability to sign on your behalf at any time. You would rather make sure that it's a problem you know you're incapacitated you're in the hospital you've got bills that need to be paid you need to have someone step in for you gotcha paul uh we're going to need to go to our first break of the evening i'm so excited to have you here and we're going to stick on nothing but estate planning topics for the remainder of the show so let's go ahead and get ready to go into our first commercial break once again, I'm Roman Baczynski, your host of Money Wise, right here on AM 1400 The Patriot, with my dear friend Paul Wakefield, and we are talking about estate planning topics. We're going to cover many, many, many things this evening, so please stay tuned, and we'll be back in just a moment. Police called and broke the bad news to Charles. His personal and financial information was found. On an identity thief's computer disk, nervous and confused, Charles called LifeLock, the industry leader in identity theft protection. LifeLock went into action, uncovering multiple fraudulent credit applications the identity thief was trying to open in his name. LifeLock shut them down and helped him restore his good name and credit. Charles found out the hard way that identity theft is a global crime, a crime that's become so so complex, you simply can't fight it alone. Your personal and financial information is everywhere. Don't wait for a call from the police before you take action. Visit LifeLock.com now or call and mention promo code AWARE to get a special 10% discount. Call 1-800-838-6010. 800-838-6010. 800-838-6010. See LifeLock.com for details. Network does not cover all transactions and scope may vary. If you got it, you don't need it. If you need it, you don't got it. You don't get it. Shame on you. Funny, funny, funny what money can do. Them that have it, get more of it. The less they need it, the more they love it. And it sticks to them like glue. Funny, funny, funny what money can do. Welcome back. I'm Roman Baczynski, your host of Money Wise, right here on AM 1400 The Patriot. And I am joined this evening by estate planning attorney Paul Wakefield, and we're discussing nothing but estate planning topics. Paul, as we headed into break, we're just starting to scratch the surface on this topic. I want to raise a question uh, and see what your advice is on this one. But 
When we talk about estate planning, most people are at least aware that if they name a beneficiary on a document, they'll have some protection for those assets to pass along to their loved ones. You know, there are a lot of different ways to register accounts. Joint ownership tends to go to the survivor, typically. Individual ownership uh, many times will set up accounts as a TOD or transfer on debt so that those monies will pass along to that named beneficiary, if you will, if they didn't want joint ownership. And, you know, throughout the years, m most folks have at least had the comfort level of saying, well, at least I named the beneficiary, so I've got that going for me just in case something were to happen to me. But as you know, on our previous show, we were talking about the unbelievably high percentage of divorces in this country. And many times things aren't neat and clean. Many times are very things are very unexpected. But when there are children involved, adult or minor children involved, sometimes we see different tax laws trump some of these beneficiary designations. For example, uh, there was a case a couple of years ago about a gentleman who worked for, for many, many years at the same company, named his first wife as the beneficiary, and perhaps the children as the contingent beneficiaries on the 401k plan. Lo and behold, his first wife passed away before he did. So he had gone ahead and renamed his children as the primary beneficiaries, but before he had retired, having this 401k plan, he remarried uh, late in life and unfortunately passed away shortly thereafter. Turned out to be a pretty messy situation, but believe it or not, well, you, you'll believe it because you're an estate planning attorney. The kids, the three kids, did not end up with those assets, at least not initially. I, I don't know where the case ended up, but it seemed to be a pretty messy situation when we talk about ERISA. Can you maybe touch on that topic for us a little bit this evening? Sure, Roman. As you know, ERISA is a federal law, and in law school, one of the things they taught us is that when you have a conflict between a federal law and a state law, federal law wins. It trumps state law. So one of the problems we see in the situation you just brought up with, you know, in particular 401k plans, is the beneficiary designation controls However, you must name your spouse unless they consent uh, to allow you to name someone else. So, you know, the case that you just mentioned, they forgot to name the spouse. You know, sure, she may have allowed him to name the kids had, had he asked, but uh, he didn't. He, he just named his kids and thought he was okay. So after he got married, his wife became the default beneficiary and his kids were disinherited. There's actually another case that went up to the Michigan Supreme Court, very similar to the case you just brought up, where, you know, we had a husband and wife. She was named as the primary beneficiary on the 401k, and then of course uh, she passed. Or I'm sorry, she didn't pass. He uh, he he, re he remarried, and then uh, um, so now now we got wife number two. So what what happened is uh, after he remarried, he he died. And um, prior to his death, he thought, well, my new wife is going to be the beneficiary because, uh, you know, I, I have to name my spouse, just kind of like our last example. However, the other issue with ERISA is the money goes to the named beneficiary. You have to name a spouse, which he did. And the, the lawsuit between the two wives in this case um, was based on the fact that uh, wife number one said... Uh, you know, I should, I should receive the money. I'm the named beneficiary, and that's what ERISA requires. 
wife number two said, well, no, I, I should receive the money because I am the current spouse. You're actually an ex-spouse. And uh, Michigan law here says that uh, the spouse is uh, removed as a, a beneficiary on the retirement plan under Michigan law. Well, you know, as you can imagine, um, wife wife number uh, one inherited the money. And you might say, well, that's crazy. Why would you want to leave money to an ex-spouse? Well, she was named as the beneficiary. So um, we got a couple battling rules there. One is the named beneficiary wins. And then number two, you can't pick someone other than a spouse unless they consent. So the moral of the story is if you are in a, a second marriage and you have a retirement plan, you want to rename your beneficiaries after the marriage. And if you plan on leaving things to your spouse, that's fine. But if you don't, you need to make sure that you fill in the little box that says spousal consent and have him or her sign off. Paul, I can't tell you how many times on this show, as long as we've been doing this show, uh, I've mentioned on the air and I certainly mentioned in my client meetings that retirement planning is a work in progress. Things change. Circumstances change. Life happens. Certainly. And these things have to be addressed over and over and over. Financial planning isn't just about selecting a bunch of investments, mutual funds, stocks, things of that nature. That's a part of it. But it's not the biggest part of it. It's the plan, the overall plan that constantly needs to be updated. Uh, I want to ask you this question as while we're on this subject, uh, although I know the answer, I want my our viewers to know too. So in that situation, Paul, because we've got ERISA law, it, 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 ERISA law governs 401k plans, but it doesn't necessarily or it doesn't govern, let's say, individual IRAs. So had that person retired, then went on to name anybody he or she may wanted to have named as beneficiaries, not the same set of rules. Isn't that correct? That is correct. So, you know, I don't know if this is good advice to give out to the public at large, but I guess if you wanted to disinherit your spouse, you probably want to call Roman and do a rollover first, and and then you're good. Not, not good advice. I, I only deal <laughs> right. with happy families that, that get along, so I don't want those problems. Right. But, but you know what? While we're on the subject matter, uh, I think something that follows very closely to some of these laws would be creditor protection. I can't tell you how many times I, I get uh, clients come in and talk about, um, I have monies in a 401k. I'm not necessarily happy with the investment choices in the plan. I've now retired, but I want to leave the money there because of creditor protection. Could you maybe touch a little bit about some recent rulings with creditor protection for 401ks, but then on the same token, IRA accounts. Do we have creditor protection there, and, and how so, and maybe a, a recent example or two? Sure, and, and and we could even take it further and talk about real estate and vehicles and yes. those other things. So, so you know, the way I look at it is when you're doing your estate plan, you're, you're, you want to achieve a lot of different things. You know, of course, we want to minimize our taxes and make sure things go to the right place, you know, to the right people at the right times and with the correct restrictions and so forth. And believe it or not, there's a lot of freebies out there for us if we just know to take advantage of them. So the freebies I'm talking about is um, protections against creditors. So to, to address a couple of little things, um, and maybe I'll, I'll cover the real estate first if, if it's okay. Sure. Um, for real estate in Michigan, if you own property between a husband and a wife, then the default rule is that that's considered joint as tenants by the entireties. It's kind of a strange name, but it's presumed. So if you look at your real estate deed for your house or your cottage or your lot or you know your your uh, hunting land, 
if it says, you know, John Doe and Mary Doe, his wife, or John and Mary Doe, husband and wife, that husband and wife designation is important because that's telling the world that these individuals are married, and then that property is considered tenants by the entireties. So what that is is it's a very, um, it's maybe, a, you might call it a modified version of joint with rights of survivorship. So, of course, just like regular joint ownership, if one of the two dies, it goes to the survivor, but there's a very nice added benefit to that type of ownership, and that is creditor protection. So if I were to be sued for some reason, and my wife is not being sued for that same um, same issue, then our house is protected from creditors, you know, which is kind of a nice thing because I don't want a situation where, you know, through no fault of my wife, she loses the house. She wouldn't have a place to live. So Michigan gives us a very nice benefit. And one of the things we see is when people are not dealing with an estate planning attorney or maybe an attorney who doesn't do a lot of estate planning is they lose some of these free benefits because although it's important to put your house in a trust at the time of death to make sure it doesn't go through probate, what we see a lot of attorneys do is they'll title the property in the trust right now, and if the property is owned by a trust as opposed to husband and wife, you've lost that creditor protection. Now, there's ways in Michigan to take advantage of both sides of the fence where we can have the benefits of the trust at death and we can have the benefits of joint ownership during lifetime, but why would you ever throw that free protection away when you don't have to? Now, with cars, we often like to you know, there's exceptions, of course, but with cars, we often state you might want to own those individually in the name of the primary driver. Because if I get in a car accident and, and I'm sued, my creditors can only go after me because I'm the driver and I'm the owner of the car, which means if they get a judgment, they can't go after my house because they don't have a judgment against my wife. That's why I don't want to own my car in joint ownership with my wife because they'd sue us both. So with vehicles, um, we, we strongly encourage to not put those in joint name. And what's nice is if I were to pass away, my wife can go to the Secretary of State, fill out a form, and she would receive that car free of probate as long as I don't have other probate assets, which I wouldn't because I use a trust. And then if my wife isn't there, my kids can do the same thing. Now, on retirement plans, um, 401K plans are governed by ERISA, which is a federal law, and IRAs are governed by state law. And both ERISA and the state law governing IRAs gives us creditor protection with those accounts, which is a great thing. And then finally, for life insurance policies, we also have a degree of creditor protection with those. It's very difficult for a creditor to take your life insurance, although in Michigan there is a little bit of um, controversy regarding the cash value. So what we like to do is if you have a very large policy with cash value, and we're not likely to need that for uh, retirement. We like to put those in an irrevocable life insurance trust. And, Paul, that's where we're going to pick up our discussion, irrevocable life insurance trust, when we come back from our break. Once again, I'm Roman Baczynski, joined by Paul Wakefield from Wakefield, Sutherland, and Libera. We're talking about estate planning topics right here on AM 1400, The Patriot, on MoneyWise. We'll be back in just one moment. Don't you know each cloud 
These days, there seem to be more things to keep us up at night, especially with our personal finances and our concerns about retirement. Roman Bashinsky is a certified financial planner. He is a guy that, believe me, he looks at the big picture. When he looks at the big picture, he looks at it in a way that whoever you go to, your own, if you do your own work, you might not have thought of. And if there's anything you've missed, especially from a tax standpoint, you really want to know about it. You deserve that second opinion. I can reach out to Roman anytime, and so can you. And you can reach out right now to Roman Bashinsky and get yourself a one-hour consultation, complimentary one-hour consultation, complete with a written report of the whole thing when you're all through. And I think you'll see what I mean. Call him at 248-312-7217. That's the number at Oakwood Financial. Don't forget to tell him that I asked you to call. That's 248-312-7217, 248-312-7217, Roman Bashinsky at Oakwood Financial. We're in the money, we're in the money, we've got a lot of what it takes to get along. We're in the money, the sky is sunny, oh man, depression, you are through, you done us wrong. Welcome back, folks. I'm Roman Bachinsky, your host of Money Wise right here on AM 1400 The Patriot home of the one and only John McCullough Show, heard weeknights from 6 to 7 p.m. And I'm joined this evening once again by Paul Wakefield, dear friend of mine and estate planning attorney. Before we went into break, we were talking about, or at least heading into, uh, creditor protection issues, and we were moving forward at, and began discussions regarding ILITs, or Irrevocable Life Insurance Trust. Paul, you want to pick up from there, and maybe we can head into that discussion? Sure, sure. Uh, uh, an Irrevocable Life Insurance Trust, or ILIT as we like to call them, they're great vehicles to protect insurance from a few different perils. Now, of course, we all know that life insurance pays out income tax-free, unless you mess things up. There are ways to ruin that, of course. But uh, in most cases, it's income tax-free. Now, one of the problems with life insurance that people don't realize is for federal estate tax purposes, they are included in your taxable estate. So if I go out and buy a $10 million life insurance policy and I make one premium payment upon my death, that $10 million will be taxed in my estate along with all my other assets. That's one issue. Another issue is there is a little bit of uncertainty as to the creditor protection of the cash value of the life insurance under the state of Michigan. We have some court cases here that address that, but it, it's just not crystal clear. So if if we take our life insurance policy and and we make the owner and the beneficiary this islet that we're talking about, one of the things we've achieved is we've removed that insurance from our taxable estate. So in other words, Uncle Sam can't take any of the death benefit when we die. So it's now income and estate tax-free. In addition to that, if you make the owner and the beneficiary of your life insurance policy, the islet, then we don't have to worry about our creditors taking the death benefit or the cash value. It's completely out of the reach of creditors. So with lar a lot of our larger clients, larger estates, sometimes even the smaller, we often will look at sheltering that life insurance using the special type of trust. And believe it or not, even though we're placing it inside the special trust, the money still goes to the same people you would have wanted to benefit. 
Paul, so let's expand on this for a moment because this is an area that I, I, I tend to receive a lot of clients that have substantial wealth, and their wealth comes from many different areas. Many of them have closely held family businesses, lots of assets in the company, but not necessarily cash rich, but, the, but on paper, they have tremendous wealth. So A, starting looking at this year, 2014, let's talk a little bit about the individual um, exemption equivalents. Sure. Where are we at? Sure. For for estate ta- tax purposes, this year we can shelter $5.34 million from the federal estate tax. And and in computing, what what does that encompass? Well, that's everything you own. So that would be the death benefit of your life insurance, assuming it's not in an islet. It would include your personal possessions, your retirement plans before you take the income tax out. It would include your house, your cottage, your business interests, everything. Folks, I hope you're getting this because listen to what Paul is saying here. You're saying, Paul, that when you take a look at what somebody is worth the day they die, it includes everything, your clothes, your house, your shoes, your money, your life insurance. Even though you weren't here to collect on that million-dollar policy, five-million-dollar policy, if you're the owner, if you are the owner of that policy, that death benefit, albeit tax-free, is not estate tax-free. It's computed into what you were worth the day you died. Is that correct? That is correct. So think about that for a moment, folks. Sometimes we're looking to do a lot of good for our family, and sometimes uh, that good is still done, but it is taxed, and Uncle Sam tends to be one of the biggest benefactors of your hard work. I can't tell you how many times we see this, and this is exactly where this irrevocable or irrevocable trust comes into play. That word irrevocable means you pulled it out of your estate. You have no incidence of ownership, and therefore that money is not included in your taxable estate. Is that correct, Paul? Yeah, that's correct. And and it's important to note, too, that that tax, if you are subject to it, you know, the the estate tax we're talking about, it's 40%. So Starts I mean, at 40%. Right. So, so, so just imagine you, you pass away and all your after-tax assets you you know you paid taxes on these things all your lifetime at death they can take 40% of that so that that tax has been all over the board over the past you know decade or so um not too long ago all we could shelter was 600,000 we actually had a 55% top rate so at least we're down to 40 the government was generous they're only going to take slightly under half of your after tax things now so it's very important if you have a, a significant uh, life insurance policy um, that, that that we look at these issues and make sure that you're not giving away almost half of that policy to Uncle Sam. Paul, in my practice, and, and maybe you can bring up a few other examples, but my practice, those types of trusts are created for, for a couple of specific clients in general. When we look at a business that may be worth quite a bit of money on paper, that family business that employs 40 or 50 or more individuals, a lot of family members and otherwise, that on paper is worth a great deal of money, uh, but when it comes to um, death and you look at the value of cash inside that, that business, the monies are not available to pay the estate taxes. What typically happens? What What is the time period that the IRS is patient, is it still nine months where they'll uh, wait patiently for the dollars that are due them for estate estate taxes? It is. Um, it, it's a nine-month waiting period, uh, or I shouldn't say waiting. It is kind the of a waiting. The running, right? I yeah. mean, they're, they're accruing interest on that. Yeah, it's a, I call it a waiting period because it's kind of like a waiting period to bankruptcy because what happens is uh, 
you know, as you mentioned, people have very large estates on paper, but they don't have that much money in their accounts, you know, their their checking accounts, because they put it all into their business. So one of the things we like to do is we like to make sure that upon death, when that tax is due in nine months, we have liquid funds available to, available to pay that. And probably the easiest way to do that and you know, the best leveraging technique you get to do that is to you purchase life insurance inside an irrevocable trust. So now upon my death, the money pays out. We can write a check to Uncle Sam and the family can go on. And even if even if we need to sell the family business because the, the spouse and or kids are not interested in it um, or, or the family farm, um, things of that nature, we have some time now to sell those things. It's not a fire sale. It's being sold in time. Now, of course, there are, I should mention, there are some techniques available to stretch out the time frame for payment of the taxes when you do have a a, a, a significant business as part of your estate. And there are some benefits for family farms where you can value the property as its use as a farm as opposed to maybe developing where um, that would be worth much more if you had, a, say, a subdivision on that land. But you're basically stretching out the payments in this case, and and that actually increases the taxes because, of course, the the government's going to charge interest on these loans. So it's a great idea just to address it up front and not have the problem. There's a lot of ways to pay that premium payment just as well. It could be the next generation of individuals that are to inherit that business can collectively pay that premium just as well, not just the business owner, uh, if you will. It's interesting because a lot of times we'll look and say, remember that corner, that family business that was there for years and years and years? I wonder what happened. I wonder why they went out of business. I wonder why this happened or that happened. Sometimes it's because the issue of estate taxes were not addressed ahead of time, and unfortunately the business did not have or the individuals did not have enough money collectively to pay the estate taxes to keep that business running. That's true, and then the assets are auctioned off and and, uh, people lose their jobs and and it it can devastate a family. The other other area, you know, maybe this is more for your clients, Roman, is uh, these days, you know, with large retirement plans, there's a concept called uh, stretch IRAs, which I'm sure you've talked many times to your audience about, and and that's a great great technique to to delay paying the IRS their income taxes on a retirement plan. But a lot of times there's not enough money to pay the estate tax. So what happens is within that you know nine month period after someone dies, they have to dip into their 401k or IRA, and now not only are they paying up to 40 percent in an estate tax, but they also have to pay as high as 39.6% this year for income taxes. Paul, is it still your practice or your recommendation, and correct me if I'm wrong, to uh, preference naming live individuals as beneficiaries on qualified assets, such as 401ks and IRAs? Obviously, the spouse comes to play as a primary, but when we talk about kids, we would typically name them as the contingent beneficiaries or the next generation instead of the living trust. Would you still agree with that scenario, or are you seeing changes that that might remedy uh, a different solution to that? Yeah, I would say the general rule uh, for for our clients is when you have a married couple that are in their first marriage and they have adult children that do not have a disability of any type and they do, do not have a bad marriage that we know of, and they do not have any other issues that would cause us to maybe want to restrict the funds, we usually will suggest for primarily income tax reasons to name spouse first as a primary beneficiary and the kids second. Where we name the trust as the contingent beneficiary in that scenario would be 
if the children were underage, because if they're under, you know, age 18 in Michigan, the, the company will not be able to pay those funds up nor out as they normally would. Um, we also like to name the trust as a beneficiary when we have special needs children or maybe, uh, you know, young adults. Um, we like to name the trust when we have children who are in questionable marriages or questionable situations, um, which are too numerous to mention today, and in uh, other events like that where, where we want to restrict the funds. Very good, Paul. Paul, we're getting ready to wrap up uh, this segment and move on to our next commercial break. But when we return, we still have m- many, many topics to cover. Uh, take a moment, gather your thoughts so that we can maybe limit them to two or three topics. Uh, we can go on all day long as far as estate planning goes, but time never gives us uh, uh, enough to to cover everything that we need to cover on this show. Once again, I'm Roman Baczynski, your host of MoneyWise, right here on AM 1400 The Patriot, joined by Paul Wakefield from Wakefield, Sutherland, and Libera, and we're talking about estate planning topics near and dear to your heart. When we return, we'll continue with our discussion, so please stay with us. One hundred and fifty million people suffer from headaches. All you want is for the pounding in your head to stop. Migralex stops the pounding. Migralex was developed by a neurologist and founder of the New York Headache Center. I'm neurologist Dr. Alex Mauskop. After studying and researching the human brain for 25 years, I've developed Migralex, which eliminates pounding headaches. It works for my patients, and I'm so convinced it will work for you. I don't just guarantee it. I put my name on it. Dr. Mauskop's Migralex gets rid of headaches fast without harsh caffeine, sodium, or preservatives. Migralex works unbelievably fast. And it's gentle on my stomach. Find out how to get your free bottle of Migralex. Call 800-851-2572. Plus, if you're one of the first 100 callers, you'll also receive the Migralex Quick Tips to Headache Relief absolutely free. That's 800-851-2572. Or go to Migralex.com. M-I-G-R-A-L-E-X.com. Or call 800-851-2572. Now, back to Money Wise with Roman Baczynski. Welcome back once again, folks. I'm Roman Baczynski, your host of Money Wise, right here on AM 1400 The Patriot, joined by my dear friend Paul Wakefield from Wakefield, Sutherland, and Libera. And we've been discussing estate planning topics. And uh, Paul, as we head into this final segment, again, too many topics to narrow things down to, but Let's talk a little bit about gifting and gifting strategies. I know that's a broad term, but maybe we'll start there and see where that takes us during this last segment. Sure, Roman. Usually when people bring up the topic of gifting, one of their primary considerations for those gifts is to reduce or eliminate the federal estate tax because with a 40% top bracket, it's, um, it's a little scary knowing that the government could take that much from us. Now, of course, if you die with a bunch of money, they'll take take it in the form of an estate tax. If you give a bunch of money away while you're living, they'll take it in the form of a gift tax. So they get you on both ends. So when we talk about gifting, there are some uh, freebies, you might want to call them, or some exceptions from the general rule that allow us to shift our wealth 
to the next generation so that the government doesn't get that 40% tax bite. So maybe to go through that hierarchy or tier or pyramid, probably the first two easy ones are, number one, you can gift unlimited amounts for someone's uh, educational needs as long as you give that money directly to the institution. So if you have a child that's going to go away to U of M or to, to Michigan State or, or another college, if you pay the tuition dollars direct to the school rather than to the child, there's no limit on those gifts. Another freebie, as I like to call them, is if you pay for someone's health care, as long as you pay the money directly to the health care provider. So if you have a, a child in the hospital and, and you pay that money direct to the, to the, the provider, or, or maybe it's even a, a child or a grandchild, um, you know, you, you, can, you can avoid having any type of limitations on those gifts. Now, other than that, you start getting into some restrictions on how much you can give. And although the number changes from time to time because it's, it's indexed for inflation, for this year you can give away up to $14,000 per person per year. So technically I can give each one of my children $14,000 this year, and my spouse can also give that same $14,000 to each of the kids now does do the you know do the recipients of these gifts do they have to be family members no you can give money to your friends you can give money to charities what have you now I think Roman probably wouldn't recommend giving fourteen thousand dollars to all of your friends because that might create some financial planning issues but but generally might introduce you to a few more friends <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's very true so fourteen thousand dollars per year per person now one of the questions I get a lot is, well, if I give my kids each $14,000, do they have to pay income taxes on that gift? Well, no. Don't give that money out of your retirement plan, of course, because that would be a different answer. But generally speaking, if you write a check out of your checking account for that dollar amount, you're not you're not going to incur a tax, and your recipient or your, your children, in this case, are not going to incur a tax either. And in addition to that, you cannot deduct the gift. It just will no longer be in your estate. So if you die, that gift, along with all the appreciation on that money, that's out of your estate for estate taxes. Now, after the $14,000 gift, then the next question is, well, what happens if I give $15,000 or $16,000 or $100,000 to someone else, such as my children? Well, once you go over that $14,000 limit for the year, you have to file a, a federal gift tax return, it's Form 709, and on that return, you're not triggering a tax that you're going to have to pay out of top out of pocket typically what you're doing is you're informing the IRS that you're eating into your uh, you might call it a coupon if you want to keep it simple you're eating into your lifetime coupon that you're allowed to um, use for sheltering money from estate taxes at your death so in an earlier segment we talked about this year being able to shelter 5.34 million dollars from the federal estate tax well if I were to give 15,000 instead of 14,000 this year to my son that means my $5.34 million lifetime coupon is reduced by $1,000 because I've exceeded my $14,000 limit. So, Paul, if, you're, if your net worth is 2 to $3 million, it's not an issue. It's not an issue. And, and what makes me laugh is I'll have kids drag their parents in, and they'll say, hey, uh, my mom and dad, they, they need to give all their money away. We're going to have this estate tax. And then I ask, well, what is their net worth? Oh, it's two and a half million dollars we we need to give you know they need to give us all the money now well first off if they're worth two three four million dollars unless their estate's going to grow very rapidly 
there is no estate tax. So if they gave away their entire estate, say $4 million, there's going to be no estate tax. By the way, Paul, you know, a lot of people come in and they, they bring up this issue because we talk about gift tax. We talk about estate tax. There is no inheritance tax in Michigan, is there? Michigan doesn't have an inheritance tax at the moment, although some states do. So unfortunately, um, here in Michigan and, and down in Florida, where I'm also licensed, we do not have any type of inheritance tax uh, that we have to be concerned with. So this is completely a, um, a federal issue, which is applicable, obviously, to all the states. So when we talk about gifting, you know, the general rule is, um, you know, take advantage of your free gifts, then give the 14 per year. If you give over the 14, you're going to eat, eat into your 5.34 million that you're entitled to lifetime. But for the very large estates, that's actually a good idea because now you're shifting the appreciation on those assets out of your estate. Um, what we often like to do, though, is we like to see people leverage those gifts. And we don't have time to cover all the leveraging techniques, but probably one of the most common is rather than giving the money direct to the kids, we give it to an irrevocable trust designed to hold a life insurance policy. So if you think about it, if I have, um, let's just say I have one child, I give $14,000 to this irrevocable trust. The trust takes that money and goes and buys a life insurance policy. Obviously, that policy is going to be worth way more than $14,000. And now upon my death, because it was in an irrevocable trust, it's going to pay out both income and estate tax-free, so it's not going to be diminished by taxes. While I was still alive, it was free from uh, attack from any of my creditors. And then my child now can use that money to pay estate taxes if there are taxes. And then if there are no estate taxes, that money goes to my children. Paul, even if somebody is not in, in the highest of net worth situations, this seems to be a like a pretty practical tool to use if, in fact, legacy planning is part of your overall uh, concern, taking care of the next generation. Because I do have a lot of clients that come in, and, and they have sizable assets, maybe not assets big enough to be worried about an estate tax problem, but enough to worry about, A, having a happy, healthy retirement that'll last them 10, 20, or 30 years, but then also maybe carving out seven, eight, nine hundred thousand or more to leave behind to the, the children because they're concerned about them. They, they, they know the kids will not have pensions or other high-quality programs uh, like they did perhaps during their working years unless the kids really saved. So a lot of times they're worried about it and they carve out perhaps, in my opinion, the wrong assets, IRA monies or other monies that from a tax standpoint aren't the most beneficial assets to leave behind, unlike a tax-free life insurance policy maybe in an irrevocable trust. And I'll tell you one thing that Uncle Sam perhaps will never admit but hates to see is when somebody names a charity as the beneficiary on their IRA uh, because, again, who got shortchanged in that scenario? Right. Uncle Sam. So there's better ways to plan it, and you can get the last laugh if you really did things right, if that, I stand correct. That's absolutely correct. And, you know, it, I, I like how you mentioned that this isn't always used for the ultra-wealthy. One of the very popular areas we see people using life insurance these days in the estate planning con con context is to take care of uh, children from prior um, you know, marriages. So if you have a, a couple who is maybe in their second or third marriage and they have children from prior marriages, we, we often have a problem because there's just not enough assets to, to take care of both the spouse and the children. So you have this awful decision to make. Do I leave things for my spouse so, so uh, she can 
take care of herself or, or or do I leave it to my children so they're not disinherited? And if it's not a large estate, there's just not enough funds available. Well, why not take maybe one or two or three or five percent of your estate, then use that to purchase life insurance. Now I can leave the remaining, say, 95% of my assets to my spouse, so he or she would be fine. And then the life insurance will make up the difference for my kids. It works out great. Great information, Paul. Paul, we have under two minutes left here. I'm going to give you some rapid-fire topics with some quick answers. But um, number one, it's very easy to come on in and visit with you. I believe your practice is much like mine. You offer a complimentary review of, of, of somebody's preparations during that first meeting. Is that correct? That is true. Okay, a lot of times take advantage of that because trusts become outdated, uh, putting aside changes of beneficiaries and things of that nature. When we start to look at HIPAA and some of the tax laws, when would you consider a trust to be outdated? In in short term, what year? 2007, 6, 5? Uh, if I had to pick a year, I'd probably pick pre-2004 because, okay. because uh, HIPAA came out around 2004 and we've had significant estate tax law changes. Okay, so if you have a trust older than 10 years, take a look at it and perhaps you might want to give Paul a quick phone call. He'll review it and tell you what needs to be updated. Paul, what's your phone number? Phone number is 248-457-9860. And your website, one more time, please. <laughs> the website is saynotoprobate.com. Valuable information. We talked a lot about estate planning. We barely covered 15, 20, 30% of the possible topics we could have talked about. Take advantage of coming to see Paul. He'll steer you in the right direction. He'll tell you what should be done, whether it's a will, a trust, revocable, irrevocable, durable powers, you name it. It's It may sound complicated, but it's it's basic language to Paul. He does this day in and day out. You need to see a qualified expert on this. I think Paul and I would both agree you don't want your estate planning done online through through a, a mail order uh, or some general document. It's more personalized than that. You owe it to yourself to look into this topic. Once again, I'm Roman Baczynski. You've been listening to Money Wise right here on AM 1400, The Patriot. We certainly enjoyed spending this last hour with you. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us. And stay safe, be happy, and plan properly. Have a good evening. You've been listening to Money Wise with Roman Baczynski. Heard every Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. Here's Roman with a closing word. You've been listening to Money Wise. I'm Roman Baczynski, president of Oakwood Financial Network, a comprehensive financial services firm committed to helping qualified clients achieve long-term financial success by developing customized strategies to help grow, protect, and preserve your wealth. If you're like many of my clients, you've accumulated substantial assets through your career to help you prepare for this ultimate vacation called retirement. Now that you're getting closer to that goal, or perhaps already there, will your current approach give you the outcome that you desire? How do you know? Do you have a written plan that addresses all of your expenses, needs, lifestyle, and legacy goals? Have you factored in inflation? Have you properly prepared for not only your needs, but the needs of your family? Are you really looking at the big picture? One of the biggest mistakes that individuals make with their investment and retirement approach is chasing after investment returns with emotional purchases instead of sitting down and putting together a comprehensive written plan that addresses your entire situation. If you're a qualified individual getting closer to retirement and wondering if your current approach is going to get you the desired outcome, I invite you to contact me by calling my office tomorrow morning at 248 248- 
312-7217 and scheduling a complimentary, no obligation, one hour review of your current approach. The number again is 248-312-7217 or send me an email at oakwoodfn at natplan.com. That's O-A-K-W-O-O-D-F-N at natplan.com. With any questions, thank you and enjoy the rest of your evening. Money Wise is sponsored by Oakwood Financial Network. Securities and advisory services offered through National Planning Corporation, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered investment advisor. Oakwood Financial Network and National Planning Corporation are separate and unaffiliated companies. These days, there seem to be more things to keep us up at night, especially with our personal finances and our concerns about retirement. Roman Bashinsky is a certified financial planner. He is a guy that, believe me, he looks at the big picture. When he looks at the big picture, he looks at it in a way that whoever you go to, your own, if you do your own work, you might not have thought of. And if there's anything you've missed, especially from a tax standpoint, you really want to know about it. You deserve that second opinion. I can reach out to Roman anytime, and so can you. And you can reach out right now to Roman Bashinsky and get yourself a one-hour consultation, complimentary one-hour consultation, complete with a written report of a whole thing when you're all through. And I think you'll see what I mean. Call him at 248-312-7217. That's the number at Oakwood Financial. Don't forget to tell him that I asked you to call. That's 248-312-7217, 248-312-7217, Roman Bashinsky at Oakwood 